You're listening to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Joel is a certified financial planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. It's time to open up the mailbag and see what folks have on their minds for you this week. Joel, we're going to start with Aaron, who says, I have a pension fund from a previous job in a different state that's just been sitting there for years. I have the option to take a lump sum and invest the money myself. Should I do that or just leave it where it is and get a monthly pension when I retire? Well, great question, Aaron. I actually wrote a book called The Lump Sum Pension Decision that that talks about what to do when somebody has an offer of either a lump sum where they can take that pension money, that lump, let's say it's $100,000, roll it over, put it into their own IRA, that's a tax-free transaction, and then create the monthly income themselves. That way they have control over the money. Or should you just take that monthly pension, knowing that you have the guarantee that it's going to last for the rest of your life? That's a decision that's very unique to each and every person. I will tell you, most people like the idea of taking the money, rolling it over, and having control. But some people do like that guarantee of lifetime uh, income that they can't outlive, that, that comes in every single month. So uh, it's entirely up to you. We'd love to help you with that decision. By the way, if you want that book, um, give me a call, Aaron. We'll send it out to you. Again, it's the lump sum pension decision, the seven things you need to know before you make a lump sum pension decision or a pension decision. Uh, it's 1-800-705-1232. Again, 1-800-705-1232. Anybody else that wants that book, give us a call. Even if you're not facing that decision today, you might be facing it sometime in the future. Should you take that lump sum from your pension and roll it over, or should you let the company pay you that monthly check that's guaranteed to come into your house as long as you live? It must be nice to be at that stage of your career where there's almost no question somebody can ask you where you can't say, well, I wrote a book about this, or the answer is in this book that I wrote. Um, How about Oscar, who says, for years, I've had half of my money with one broker and half with someone else. They're both nice guys, and I thought it would be good to get advice from two different people. But now it just seems confusing. Am I better off to have it all in one place? Yeah, this is an interesting question. And I remember when I started my career, I thought people should have all their money with one advisor. And I think for most people, that is still correct, that they should have all their money with one advisor. Because what you end up with, if you have two different financial advisors... One doesn't know what the other one is doing. It's almost like having two different primary care doctors. Um, They both might be doing a decent job, but it's easy for somebody to make a mistake because they don't know what the other one has prescribed. And in the world of money, it's easy for somebody to put you in the wrong investments, and they're actually increasing your risk because they don't know what the other broker has put you in. Now, very, very wealthy families, pension funds, endowment funds, they tend to use many different money managers. Uh, But the reason they do that is because they have one money manager that might specialize in, let's say, private equity, another one that might specialize in foreign stocks, another one that might specialize in real estate. So they're sort of taking the specialty investment categories and dividing them up. But for most people, it doesn't make sense to have a number of different financial advisors. And it can get confusing. And if it's not confusing now, as you get older, it might get confusing. It might just be one big hassle. Olivia says our long-term care premiums are going up this year and pretty significantly. Should we just pay the extra cost or cancel it and take our chances? Well, I don't like the idea of canceling it and taking your chances. I am very cautious as a fiduciary to tell anybody to drop life insurance or or any kind of insurance coverage because the worst thing that can happen is I tell you to drop that in uh, long-term care policy and then something happens 90 days from now. You go on claim and you drop your insurance. So it's rare 
if ever, that I tell somebody to drop insurance. Now, usually you have two choices when your long-term care premiums go up. You can pay the higher premium or you can keep your premium the same and reduce the benefit. So that may be something to look into. Also, there are new, this is the third option now, Olivia, there are new hybrid policies where if you are still insurable from a long-term care standpoint, you can actually replace your existing policy with a new hybrid policy. And if you need long-term care, they pay out for the long-term care. But if you don't need long-term care, you or your heirs get your money back with a return on your investment. It's sort of a a no-lose situation. You either go on claim and you get your money back and more from them paying the long-term care expenses, or you pass away or you don't decide you want to drop the coverage and you can get all your money back if you don't go on claim. So number of different options there. We can help you walk through it, but I would say the one option you don't want to do is just outright cancel your insurance. How about Junior, who says, I've dabbled in trading options in my IRA over the years, but never had time to master it. I'm retiring in a year and feel that once I have more time to spend on it, I'll be able to meet all of my retirement income needs this way. Is that a reasonable assumption? Well, good luck with that, Junior. Uh, I don't think you ought to be trading options inside your IRA. How about that? Um, Just don't do it. I mean, I don't know if you went to one of these online trading classes or you saw an ad on TV or heard it on the radio where you're going to learn to trade and generate 30% yield off your portfolio or whatever. You know, if you want to trade options, do that with your crazy money. Do that with the money that you can afford to lose. You know what? You might crush it. Uh, You might hit an absolute home run. You might triple your money in the course of a year trading options or maybe even do better. But you could lose it all. You could go into a strategy that doesn't make any sense, cause all kinds of angst, and you can't get that money back once it's gone. It's lost. Options are not like owning a stock where you actually own an asset. Options are very speculative in nature. That's why the reward can be so huge, but you could lose a ton of money trading the option. So, Get a retirement income plan. If you figure out you need a million dollars to support your retirement lifestyle and you have a million, 100,000, take the 100,000, go to town, trade the options, do something else with it, but don't touch that million dollars that you need, that money that's sacred to spin off a monthly income that's guaranteed to last for the rest of your life. Gabe says, I have our retirement savings spread out between my 401k, two IRAs, a Roth, and several mutual funds that I purchased with after-tax dollars. Which account should I start withdrawing from first? So Gabe, what I hear you saying is that you've got basically three different types of accounts. You've got your qualified money, your IRAs, and your 401ks. And those are growing tax-deferred, but then when you take money out, you pay taxes as you take the money out. Then you've got a Roth account. Uh, You've got a Roth account, and that's completely tax-free. Also, by the way, life insurance cash values can be tax-free if you follow some simple rules. The neat thing about those accounts is you can take a monthly income stream or an annual income stream, and it's completely tax-free. You can even take big chunks out completely tax-free. And then, of course, you mentioned you had mutual funds that were purchased with after-tax dollars. So now inside those mutual funds, you've got some money you've already paid taxes on, and then you've got the growth of those funds where you may be able to pay long-term capital gains rates. So you've got money that's getting taxed from the 401ks as ordinary income, money that's completely tax-free from your Roth or your life insurance cash values, and then money that can get taxed as long-term capital gains if handled properly. Which account should you start withdrawing from first? I don't know without knowing the rest of your financial situation, your age, whether you want to leave money behind for people or to charity, um, whether uh, you have a spouse, whether you're married or not. 
there's so many different factors here that go into answering this question, Gabe. But the bottom line is, think about the accounts that you have more control over. Those are probably the ones you want to spend last. The money that you can leave to other people or the money you can extract tax-free, those might be the accounts that you want to spend last. A little counterintuitive, but it might be the case. But again, very complicated question. So many different variables, as you can tell. Uh, we'd want to sit down with you and visit with you and make sure you've got the proper plan so you can pay as little taxes over your lifetime, generate the most money for you in your pocket. Great example of why you need to have a plan that's put together specifically for you and your situation. How about Karen, who says, what's your opinion of all the robo-advisor stuff I've been hearing about? Is it something worth looking into? Well, let me explain what a robo-advisor is. It's basically, it's not an advisor as far as giving you wisdom. It's, it's a way of investing, you know, Betterment or Wealthfront or, you know, some of these companies, even Vanguard and Fidelity now have these programs where you put your money in, you buy a bunch of funds, and they automatically rebalance. It's sort of a software-based program where you choose your risk tolerance and you just go in there and they automatically rebalance your investment. Um, those have been around in 401ks for a long, long time. So this is nothing new. It sounds new. It's not anything new like so many things in life. Um, been around forever. They've rebranded it. Uh, is it something worth looking into? Sure. It's better than you having no investment plan whatsoever. It's probably better than you trying to tinker and buy and sell stuff at the right time. Uh, but if you're expecting to get any wisdom, any customized advice – don't count on it. As a matter of fact, those software programs that uh, are behind those robo-advisors, probably written by a hipster uh, that's 27 years old that has no money themselves. So, you know, if that's who you want to get your financial wisdom from, more power to you. Um, again, using a robo-advisor is probably better than using nothing, but they will depart zero wisdom to you. Use a financial advisor that's worked with retirees and pre-retirees for 15, 20, 25 years. There's a lot of wisdom that you can get there. Knowing what other people's mistakes have been, that advisor is going to know what is best for you and know how to walk you through difficult situations, which happen to all of us the older we get. Doris says, I'm a very, very, she gave us two varies, very, very conservative investor, and I have about 80% of my 401k in a money market fund. I know that's probably not the best idea, but I'm just afraid of making the wrong choice at the wrong time. If I take too much risk, how badly am I hurting myself with this approach? Well, Doris, you might not be hurting yourself at all. I mean, most financial advisors would say, well, you shouldn't have 80% in the money market fund. Uh, you know, you're, you're not going to keep up with inflation. And that may be correct. It depends on how much money you have saved. You know, I like the old adage, don't take more risk than you have to. So if your retirement is all set and you have 20% of your money, in a stock mutual fund and the other 80% is in a money market fund and you can sleep good at night and you're not going to run out of money before you pass away, then I'm fine with that. You know, Don't let people forget that it's your money, Doris. Sometimes these people that you're listening to for advice, they've forgotten it's your money. Uh, they think it's their money. So it, it depends on what's right for you. I wouldn't have 80% of my 401k in a money market fund, but I also understand how markets work and I'm comfortable when accounts go down because I know what my long-term plan is. So um, you should talk to somebody that understands that you're very conservative, probably a little scared of seeing accounts go down. Maybe that person can educate you on how markets really work. But if you're still not comfortable, then don't do something you're not comfortable with. But make sure you get the information. You want to make sure at least you're keeping up with inflation. You may not have enough exposed to long-term assets to be keeping up with inflation. How about Ruth? Ruth is up next, and she says, I've been approached about buying an insurance policy that would cover all of my cemetery and funeral home costs when I die. 
I'll have more than enough for these expenses without the insurance money, but I like the idea of the kids knowing that there's money specifically earmarked for those costs so they don't have to worry about it. Is this a good purchase? Yeah, Ruth, without even seeing the numbers, I would say that most of the time it's not a good purchase. If you have the money set aside, uh, if you have enough money to cover those expenses, then just open up a separate account and, and put the money over there, whether that's ten or fifteen or $20,000 or whatever it might be. You know, set aside a savings account. It can be just a simple savings account or a cash account, money market account, and set it up separately and let your kids and grandkids know that, hey, this is for final expenses and put the money over there. You can even maybe earn one, two, three percent interest on it. But for you to buy an insurance policy, you know, what tends to happen is you pay much more for the insurance than, than maybe you get out. Um, you know, I've seen people pay in six thousand dollars over a course of a 18 20 year period and then they only get out five thousand as a death benefit so i think if you have the money set it aside again i haven't seen the specific numbers but most of the time it makes sense for you to set up your own side fund now with that said if you don't have enough money if somebody is out there and you're listening to me and you don't have enough set aside then maybe it makes sense to buy a final expense policy and again, this is why you want to sit down with a planner. Um, even if you don't have a lot of money, get a second opinion. There are f- plenty of financial planners that will work pro bono, is what the lawyers call it, you know, on behalf of, of the community and work for free. And we do that. We'll sit down with somebody that doesn't have a lot of money and um, just give them financial advice. They may never become clients, but we'll help out with these kinds of things. So if you don't have a lot of money, maybe you should buy the insurance, but talk to somebody before you do. All right, next up is a question from Jennifer who says, if interest rates finally start going back up, should I change how I'm saving? I don't have very much in the bank right now because rates are so low. So what do we need to do differently with our investments as interest rates change? Joel? Well, if you like safe money and you don't owe a lot of people money, then interest rates going up, not up too fast, too high, but interest rates going up are great for savers. A lot of people have been doing what we call in the business chasing yield. And what that means is that because you can't get good yield on safe money through the bank, you start chasing yield by buying stocks and bonds and you're going up the risk scale from bank deposits when you do that. And sooner or later, you might have to pay the price. And so uh, I think it's good for savers that yields are going up a little bit. We don't want them to go up too fast because that'll hurt other assets like stocks and bonds. And so, you know, you might want to bring some of that money back to the bank if you want the safety. The other thing to look at is um, certain insurance companies, fixed annuities, uh, act a little bit like CDs. Now, they're insurance. They're not bank deposits. Um, but they those rates will also be going up also. So where today on a five-year CD, you might get one and three-quarter percent. You might get three percent on a fixed annuity. But again, both of those need to be investigated. What I'm trying to show you here, though, Jennifer, is that rates going up if you're a saver, as long as they don't go up so fast that they disrupt the financial markets, probably a good thing. We have a lot of clients that are looking forward to the day where they can get a five-year CD that pays 5% interest. And a lot of your clients aren't really borrowers anymore, right? They either have paid off their final mortgage or they're on their final mortgage and they won't be getting a new one. So interest rates going up doesn't hurt them from that perspective. That's correct. Diane is up next. She says, I'm 55 and I'm worried about the stability of Social Security. I just don't know if it'll be around for the rest of my lifetime. What do you think? 
Well, Diane, I can tell you what I think, um, but more importantly, what what is your financial situation? If you're worried, you know, it's important that you do enough planning to have peace of mind around this issue. Uh, I think for you at age 55, Social Security will be around for you. Uh, could something change where uh, maybe based on how much money you've saved, there's some kind of means testing, or if people have saved a lot of money, they have to pay more tax on Social Security than other people that haven't saved a lot of money. I don't know what that future looks like, but I think it's going to be there if you're 55. Now, my son is 28 years old, lives uh, up in Brighton, and uh, works at an auto place up there in, in Medford. And you know what I tell him is don't count on Social Security. Uh, at 28 years old, there's a long time you'd have to work before you'd even be eligible for it anyway. Don't count on it. But I think if you're over 50, 55, I'm 57 right now, uh, I think that you're pretty safe in assuming that there will be some type of Social Security benefit there. Interesting. I know a lot of people do a lot of hand-wringing on that, but I don't know, maybe that do you see, Joel, people making bad decisions about when they start their Social Security because they're worried about the stability of the system? Yeah, I see a lot of people that, that they think, that, oh, I got to start it really early because I'm not, you know, I don't think that Social Security is going to be around. Well, some people should start early. Some people should start as soon as they can at age 62 or 60. Many people should wait as long as possible. That depends on your individual situation, how much money you've saved. Uh, if you don't take Social Security, will you have to pull that income from other assets that are set up for the long term? So that gets much more complicated, but you certainly don't want to have a knee-jerk reaction over what you think is a benefit like Social Security that's going to disappear, even though it's been promised to you, and make a decision that's going to hurt you for the rest of your life or that has consequences for the rest of your life. Andy says, how much of my portfolio is it okay to have invested in just one stock? I have about $2 million, but almost half of it is invested in one company. Well, Andy, if you said you had $200 million and $100 million was invested in one company, that's a different conversation. If you said you had $20 million and $10 million is invested in one company, that's a different conversation. But for you, at $2 million, you've got enough to retire and have a pretty darn comfortable retirement. Um, but if that million dollars that's in one stock drops by 40 50 60 70%, that changes your life. So uh, most financial planners, and certainly this financial planner, would tell you, you probably have too much invested in one company. Now, I don't know your whole situation. You might have trust funds. You might have an inheritance coming through. Uh, you might have a massive pension from a company you used to work for, uh, depending on the certain stock, although I would say it doesn't matter what stock because you never know what the future holds. Um, but we would want to consider which company it is. But my goodness, half of your money invested in one company when you've worked so hard to save two million bucks, I don't think that makes a lot of sense. Don't sell it today based on what I just said. Don't sell it tomorrow based on what I just said. Come on in, get an analysis of the situation. We want to help you. Howard says, some people in the media say that I should invest primarily in mutual funds, and they say I can expect annual returns north of 10%. I don't even need a return that big at my age, but I'm intrigued by the idea of it. Where do I find these funds? Well, first of all, Howard, uh, anybody that says you can expect returns north of 10% per year or 10% annually, I would really question that person. That doesn't mean it's not possible. But somebody that's reaching for 10% per year is inevitably at some point going to take a big hit to their portfolio if they are reaching that 10% for a few years. Because in order to get 10%, you've got to realize the market over a long period of time has done, what, 7 7 8%, depending on the dates that you measure it. 
To get 10, that means you're doing better than the market, net of all the fees inside the mutual funds and so on. So you're taking some additional risk over and above the market. And the market as measured by the S&P 500 has gone down sometimes by 50% from top to bottom. So you've got to be real careful. And the fact, Howard, that you say you don't need a return that big at your age, um, that's important. Because if you don't need that kind of a return, don't stretch for that kind of a return. Um, we call that yield juicing or return juicing, and you're going to get hurt sooner or later. So I know you're intrigued by that idea. Where do you find these funds? Very hard to find any funds that over a 10, 15, 20-year period of time have earned over 10% per year. Floyd says, I've heard a guy advertising that he specializes in retirement planning for people who have at least a million dollars saved. I fall into that category, but I'm not sure if he actually has a specialty or if he just wants people with more money. Is that really a specialty that exists? You know, I guess if this person is saying he specializes in, you know, people with over a million dollars, he could be saying that that's most of his clients have, you know, between a million and three million dollars. That's sort of the client category he focuses on or the household that he focuses on. I don't know that it's a super specialty. I mean, I don't know what special investments are available at a million dollars that aren't available at 250000 There, There aren't that many. And by the way, for those of you financial advisors that are listening to me right now, I know there are some investments with million-dollar minimums, but it's unlikely that this person is saying that. So I think what this broker is really saying is that he really wants to attract clients that have a million dollars or more. He doesn't really want to work with clients that have less than that. You know, we say that our advice is most appropriate if you have over $250,000 saved for retirement. Um, But at the same time, our mission is we'll meet with everybody here at Johnson Brunetti. We want to help people. Um, Nancy Brunetti and I, when we founded this firm, we grew up uh, in very blue-collar type families. My dad was a pastor, and then he worked for a book publishing company. Um, Nancy's family grew up on Long Island and, you know, just good, hardworking people. So we never wanted to turn anybody away, and we'll help anybody. It doesn't mean they become clients, but they might need help, you know, starting out in life or allocating their 401k and so on. Um, but many of our strategies are appropriate, and most of the folks that we meet with have a lot more money than that. Um, so I don't know what this person's trying to say. I think probably he just wants to work with people that have a little bit more money and that it's not really that much of a specialty. Last question for today comes to us from Bobby, who says, I looked forward to retirement for many years, but now that I'm actually retired, I can't shake the feeling that I'm eventually going to run out of money. Is there any solution for fighting this feeling other than simply spending less or going back to work? Well, there's a simple solution to this, Bobby, and it's getting a retirement income plan, a retirement income analysis. And we make this real easy. Uh, you tell us how much money you want to spend every month after tax. Just what, how much cash do you want to have dropping into your bank account that you can spend? And even if you're not retired, just pretend you're retired today and give us that one number. Let's say it's $10,000 a month. We do all the other work. We'll take your current investments. We'll assign an assumed rate of return on that. Let's say 5%. We'll look at where Social Security and pensions may play a role in your retirement income. And we'll be able to tell you based on that 5% rate of return, if you're going to run out of money before you die. We'll even be able to tell you kind of the backwards side of that, which is what rate of return do you need on your money to make sure you don't run out of money before you die. So it's a simple process. You don't have to be worried about it. Um, You don't have to fight your feelings, as you said in your question here. Just get a retirement income analysis. Well, Joel, I guess the simple follow-up question to that is, where do people go for that? I guess that's part of the Money Map Retirement Review, is it not? If they want to come to our firm, absolutely. It's part of the Money Map Retirement Review. 
but let's just talk for a second about that one little component, that retirement income analysis. Again, if you just tell us how much income you want in retirement, and if you're already retired, you need this also because people are living longer and the investment world has changed. We will do the analysis to find out if you're going to be okay for the rest of your life. And also some people say, well, I want to make sure I leave my kids or grandkids a certain amount of money. We can factor all that into this retirement income analysis. Let us do that for you. Part of the Money Map Retirement Review is the Retirement Income Analysis. You'll get that Money Map, that one-page plan. Most people that leave here, it really gets them thinking differently about their money. So you'll be glad you came in. Give us a call, 1-800-705-1232. Again, it's 1-800-705-1232. You'll get a little recorded message from me when you make that call. Leave your name, and we'll get back to you and set up a time to come in and get your free Money Map And maybe more importantly than that one-page plan, that customized income analysis to make sure you are going to be okay for as long as you live. 800-705-1232 is the number to call if you'd like to take advantage of that Money Map Retirement Review. You can also text. Just be sure to include your first and last name. Again, 800-705-1232. 1232 for your complimentary Money Map Retirement Review with the team at Johnson Brunetti. This is Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. We'll talk with you next week. Same time, same place. Have a great day. Money Wisdom is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products offered through JN Financial LLC. Johnson Brunetti is a paid sponsor of the Yukon Huskies athletic program. Better Money is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti.